smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Benyera, beautifully done, sensational. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast brought to you every week in association with BT Sport. Coming up, Ren reigns supreme after beating Saint-Étienne 3-0. Lille are also going great guns. They are still unbeaten, but watch out for Paris Saint-Germain back in business after their third straight victory. They were triumphant away to Rouse. We will talk about that. We'll talk about all the uh, the uh, the action, the big games through the weekend. With me um, here in Boulogne, Biancourt, on this grey Parisian Monday morning, Robert Thompson. How are you, Robbie? Bonjour, Mathieu. Bonjour, everyone. Yes, very happy to be here, feeling relaxed, calm, quietly confident about a good pod. Yeah, you had a quiet weekend. You were not in, in Rouse for the Rouse PSG game? I I wasn't I was I was working for the club though last night until until late but it was uh yeah interesting game plenty to talk about there too I think Absolutely Armel Tangi you had uh you had the big game didn't you on Saturday night the the top of the table clash Saint-Étienne Ren um how are you this morning Um I'm all right yeah it feels like a while ago I'm nice and rested this this morning so Good news Good news so the jokes will be coming thick and fast I'm sure um and the in-depth league analysis Of course um Ian Holyman I'm delighted to have another appearance from our executive producer who's found time in his busy schedule to, uh, to come onto the pod. How are you, Ian? I'm really good. Really good. Thanks, Matt. Just reprising the player manager role, just probably just like most of them, out of sheer desperation. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, no other options. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if, I can, if I can't pick anybody else, I've got to pick myself. You've still got the legs for it. No, no question. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll look forward to your contributions. We'll get, we're going to start... I think we're going to have to start with uh, with the big one because don't forget, Ren and Saint Etienne were both uh, unbeaten going into Saturday's top of the table clash. Saint Etienne were top; they were at home. This is what happened. Armel Tangi is your commentator. Rizzo's delivery. This one does beat Bonga and Aguerd gets his head to it, and it's a second goal in Ren's colours for Naif Aguerd, and the Bretons in the lead here at Saint Etienne. Del Castillo past his man and in towards Grassi. It's 2 0. And that was all too easy for Rent. Nobody seemed to be tracking Seru Grassi when the ball came in from the right hand side. And that's three goals in five league appearances for Rent now for Seru Grassi. And now Adrian is in on goal over Jesse Mulai. It goes and that is a very, very nice finish from Adrian Unu to kill this one off. 3-0 it is to Rennes now. And Claude Puel, Saint-Étienne. Well, their undefeated start to the season is coming to an end. So Armel, in the end, a comprehensive victory for Rennes. Three goals to nil. Um, Claude Puel's young guns coming unstuck. And ultimately, Rennes do look like the better football team. Yeah, they did. It was a fully deserved 3-0 win, representative of the afternoon's play, really. Saint-Étienne were poor and Rennes were clinical. They didn't really create hundreds of chances, but they put away what they did create. And 
that for me is the sign of a, a good team that are going to go going to go far this season. Um, it's their best start ever in their in their in their top flight history to a to a season with thirteen points after five games. Um, Julian Stefan's team look well well set up. the The defense works well despite having a, a left back injured and one testing positive for COVID. Amari Traore stepped in pretty well. Um, I'm a big fan of Brandon Soppy, as you all know, on at right back, and their midfield is solid. And Grassi has slided into that team wonderfully at, at centre forward. So things are clicking for Wren, and um, I've, we've been predicting it since the start of the summer. But they've, uh, for once, our predictions are paying off. Yeah, the, the midfield is solid. I saw um, the highlights. I saw that Lekeep gave their best marks to Kamavinga and Stephen Nzonzi in the midfield. Um, they had Bourgeois alongside them. But just a word as well, um, Ian, they've they've bought well, haven't they? If you look at the three the three signings, Nayef Aged, who's come in from Dijon, uh, scored um, again. He's got a couple of goals now, Nayef Aged. Um, Seru Girassi, who's come from Amiens for 14 million euros, a relatively big signing for Rem, but he looks value for money. Martin Terrier, um, perhaps having a slightly slower adaptation, but a very talented young player. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, like Aguirre's coming in as a centre-back. It's not really goal-scoring that we're looking for from him, but he looks really solid at the back too. And Guirassi, I mean, he's he's been around the block a bit already. He's still only in his early 20s, but he was up at Cologne uh, for a time as well. Did pretty well in, in what was a, a relatively average Amiens side. I mean, he's got eight goals in 2020. Only Kylian Mbappe uh, before the weekend had as many as that. And the, the finish against Saint-Étienne was real, real quality. Terrier, we know that he's a good player. We've seen that. He's got he's got a little bit of European experience from Lyon. But my only concern about this Ren side is that when the Champions League group stage does come round, and it's coming round pretty quickly because the group stage draw is on Thursday, I mean, how thin is that that squad going to be stretched in the next couple of months? I'm not entirely convinced that they're going to be able to keep up this pace. Looking I- looking to bring in one or two players, I think, before before October the fifth. Also rumours that Mbanyong might be off, but but Girassi has, you know, has has filled his boots really well. Um, they they perhaps need some backup, don't they, in in attack? But like like Ian says, um, top of the table, thirteen points. They are four points clear of uh, of PSG, a couple of points clear of Lille. Robbie, it's you know they've been the team, the best team so far this season, haven't they? Yeah, but they started last season very well as well before falling into a, a little heap with the start of European football as well. So there is a, a little risk there. I think there's the goalkeeper question mark, which is quite a big one. Romain Salin is not the goalkeeper to go all the way through this season. They do need to buy. There's rumours that they're, that they're, they're going to do that soon. Um, but you look at their squad, they start 11, if they can keep Mbanyong, and why not? There, there aren't a million offers for him. It's not the best time to go and try and land that big move. And he is injured. And he's moment. injured at the yeah. moment. So there's time running out. There's only seven more days left of the transfer window to try and get that move. If they can keep him, that gives them options. That gives them depth. And uh, Aguerd, fantastic player. Midfield all looking good. They've got Jonas Martin, who's coming off the bench as well. No, it's a, it's a, it's a solid team. I think there was a lot of hype before the game about these two sides and a lot of good feeling. I uh, hope about, that doesn't fall the, away yeah, for Saint-Étienne entirely. Talent, exactly. The but you look, the Jorginho, who came off, off the bench late to replace Camavinga, is another, mm. another youth product from there. They've got players coming through the ranks there, as they do at Saint-Étienne. You know, I don't know whether Rennes can really maintain a championship challenge all the way to the end. You need... 
to grow slowly and as a club you need to keep growing and they're they're not Lyon, Marseille, Monaco or PSG just yet but you know more power to them they've got a very good coach it's really positive isn't it just because we're seeing this gradual progression Mm -hmm. and let's face it if they can finish top three again Pick up a few points in the Champions League group stage. Obviously, if they can qualify from the group, they have that, to keep that, that pressure off. That'd be off phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they've got young players who are, who are going to be learning. And just a word about the goalkeeping situation. Armel, um, Edouard Mendy, uh, do, you, do you see him being a success at Chelsea? And as I speak on a Monday morning, it's looking very much like uh, Rennes are going to swoop for his Senegalese colleague, Alfred Gomez, who is the number one at, at Dijon. There's talk of a 14 million euro deal. Um, is Gomez good enough to, to step into Mendy's shoes? Gomez is. Good enough. He's a very good goalkeeper. Um, I think I've said this before, though, that goalkeepers playing for the struggling sides in whichever league it is are always made to look better because they have just generally more shots against them to save. So their shots, their you know, shot to save ratio is always going to be quite high. But Gomez is a, a very good goalkeeper. And he was excellent yesterday against again, Montpellier. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Ren Ren took a gamble with Mendy, who'd had what one really good season with Rouse, who'd just been promoted. Dijon, okay, they've been in in Ligue 1 a while, but they're a similar sort of club at the bottom of the table, fighting with a goalkeeper in pressing. And, you know, you've got to take gambles to get results. And they've just sold Mendy as the most expensive goalkeeper in French club history. So why not? I think Gomez could could do the job. And I'm hoping that Mendy will do the job at Chelsea as well and at least make a bigger impression on his first appearance than Thiago Silva. Yes. Yes, well, he's you know he's going to be filling the gloves of of Kepa, who's who's struggled a lot. But no, I mean it, it'll be interesting. Edouard Mendy's certainly not a player I expected to be going to to join a top club in the Premier League. But his performances in Ligue 1 over the last couple of seasons have been have been tremendous, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a it's a great bit of business for Ren as well. I mean, if they sold him what for twenty six million, they, they get Gomez in for fourteen. I really don't see uh, any difference in quality between between Mendy and Gomez, and you've still got. 12 million euros in the pocket, which, uh, quite mm. frankly, I wouldn't mind. And they've got a little Camavinga sitting there waiting to get oh. sold in the next couple of years as well. Oh. It's time to buy shares in Ren, perhaps. <laughs> I, I know we're thinking top of the table. You just have to wonder, with uh, Runison having gone to Arsenal, if Gomez leaves for Ren, is Gregory Coupe going to start playing in goal for Dijon? <laughs> He's the current goalkeeping coach, and I don't see who else they've got. Maybe that's why he left Leon to well, go to yeah. Dijon. <laughs> they, they've, they've, signed, what was um, they've signed Anthony Ratiopia, haven't they? Oh, from Leon. Yeah, yeah. from Leon, okay. the former third choice stroke, second mm. choice, young Swiss goalkeeper. There we are. That's why Ian's here today. Knowledge on Dijon. <laughs> could be, yeah, could be a problem for Dijon. Uh, Dijon, who lost their first four games this season. They did get a point at the weekend at home against Montpellier, who had been flying up until then. Obviously, just to finish on on Ren and Saint-Etienne, we big Saint-Etienne up a lot last week. Um 10 points from their first game. This is their first setback. We'll have to see how Claude Puel's young team uh, reacts to that. But I don't think anybody's going to be too down on on Saint-Etienne. They've had a good start to the season. I think they're going to be a, a, a team to watch. Let's move on to another... Um, oh, i shaking his head. I think there will be a team to watch. I, you know, they've got some good young players, no? They do have some good young players, but I... I yeah, no, they looked really immature. You don't believe in the Claude Puel revolution then? no. <laughs> very good well, I, well <laughs> I do so that's going to be a running theme over the next week so I'm like, I was really impressed it, it kind of depends which game you know you're watching which game you're commentating because against Marseille they were they were super impressive but uh, we'll we, we'll keep an, a close eye on that and we'll see that once again I'm right but you know we'll see how that pans out let's turn our attentions to Lille Nantes Robbie um, he's had a lot of nil nils of late Robbie oh. but uh, he probably 
um, prepared for that Lille Nantes game on Friday with a little bit of dread, but he got goals. Here is what happened at the uh, Stade Pierre Mora. Arujo again, Luis Arujo stopped the follow up from Selic, and it's in. And it's Jonathan David, the Canadian, with his first goal in Ligue 1 football. In fact, it's not Jonathan David. I think it's Nicola Palwa who's got the touch. Ikone. Burak in the middle. Ikone still. Oh, lovely turn. Goes down. Penalty. Burak Ilmaz, the Turkey legend, steps up against Albon Lafont and scores. His first in French football for Lille. So, Robbie, you, you got excited um, for that first goal, thinking Jonathan David had, had opened his account. You um, and, and frankly, that was understandable because it did look like he'd, <laughs> he'd put the ball in. It did look like he'd opened his account. Or Jonathan yeah. David. Sorry, we have to call him Jonathan David because that, that's his the proper pronunciation. Um, is he a Frank? Is he a French-speaking Canadian? He's from Haiti. No, he had a Haiti. He actually, I, I okay. interviewed him last last year. Uh, in English or in, French? In, in English, okay. actually. I, I gave him the choice. He said, actually, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. He, he I grew had up a post-match interview and he was, he had a, he spoke very good French, but hmm. with a, a strong accent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He just, he can do But that's both. what's funny sometimes about these players. We, we, you know, it, it is important as commentators, we, we get the right pronunciation. Mm. But often when you ask the player, they're like, oh, I don't really mind. Yeah. I saw that with N'Golo Conte. He's like, well, it can be Conte, Conte, no problem. And when I interviewed Ronnie Lopez, which you know in Portuguese I think should be Ronnie Lopes. Ronnie Lopes. Ronnie Lopes. <laughs> Ronnie Lopes. And he and he did a little message for us, and he said, "Hi, I'm Ronnie Lopez. Welcome to, you know." And and that was quite funny. Yeah, and I have to. Uh, Patrick Vieira calls him Marco or Marcos, I think. But he's his real. It's his real name. Yeah. And he calls Casper Dolberg Gasper. He's done it for two years now. So I think he just yeah, says so what he wants. We really. don't. We Everyone's don't go on Patrick Vieira's name pronunciation. No. 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 Okay. And just <laughs> and we will. We will move on and talk about Lille against Nantes. But the um, Monaco sporting director, Paul Mitchell, somebody has got to tell him how to pronounce Wissam Ben Yedder's first name. He's been calling yes. him Wisdom. Yes, but unless Fair that's a, is that a, an in-joke or something? Uh, or do, mm. is that what Wisdom calls himself? <laughs> <laughs> it's a Robbie, very high Robbie, opinion of himself. Tell us about Lille against Nantes. It finished 2-0. And Lille, they're looking, they're looking solid, aren't they? They're still unbeaten 11 points now from their five games. Yep, they do look solid. I was excited, as you say, for, for Jonathan David's, uh, John David's first goal, um, which wasn't to be. But other than that, he does look like he needs a bit more time. To find his feet, he's been starting matches. He's been he's been playing. So Galtier is showing his faith in him. He um, when you have a player that's not scoring up front, he has to make up for it by doing lots of defensive work, by giving options, by setting teammates up. I will say this in in with all the generosity, like Mauro Icardi has been over the last few weeks before before yesterday. But Jonathan David wasn't really doing that either. He didn't look like he was that mobile. He didn't look. Physical. He wasn't a big presence in the game, unlike Burak Yilmaz. What a player. He had 35 years of age, experience, a, a leader up front, a scary individual if you're an opposition defender, everything you want. And final word about this match, Jonathan Ikone, who was uh, left on the bench for uh, Luis Arujo at the start of the game for the second game in a row. I think Arujo had scored in the two previous matches. Jonathan Ikone came off the bench and changed the game because Lille were ahead on points, but Nantes weren't out of it. 
They'd come back a little bit better in the second half. It was a, a game that was in the balance. And Ikone just changed the game in that last 15, 20 minutes. And it was great to see because Robbie, I think he's a fantastic player. Just in case our listeners aren't, aren't aware, so Leo sold Victor Ozzyman and Loic Remy. They've brought in Jonathan David and... Uh, and Burak Gilmas. Do you, do you see that as a as a as a partnership? And Galtier is playing this four four two. He's playing uh, Burak and, and and David up up front. Do you think it might mm-hmm. gel? Yeah, I don't see why it can't work. It means that you need to have a very mobile David running off Yilmaz. That's the whole that's the whole point of it. David showed last season and the la- the previous years that he can be that player. I think it's just something you know, confidence and getting to know your teammates. You have to know when to make those runs. We know that Yilmaz the week before was offside 13 times in the first 13 minutes of the match. Um, but, you know, they perhaps not quite, but, not you know, these, are, these things have to, they take understanding, they take time to put in place. And this is a big move for Jonathan David. So, you know, he's got to take time to find, to find his place in the side. Oh, I think we were spoiled, weren't we? Victor Ozzyman kind of spoilt us, really. Well, because he hit the ground running, didn't he? Oh, he he didn't hit the ground running. I mean, DMA, Usain Bolt would have struggled to keep up, but it was amazing. had a fabulous start. And he's he's a very different sort of player to to Jonathan David, isn't he? I mean, Ozzyman, for me, is Drogba. He can just do it himself. He he can be a bully. He can score goals. He can link up play. Jonathan David's a little bit different. But I do like this this idea that that Galtier has. He's got Joseph Font at the back bringing through the young players like we've seen Gabriel heading off to, to, to Arsenal, Sven Botman now that they've uh, brought in from Ajax. And he's doing it at the opposite end now with uh, Burak Yilmaz alongside Jonathan David. And, and let's not forget people like Jonathan Ikone, still relatively young Jonathan mm. Bamba. They've still, got, they've still got a lot to learn. Luis Arojo, we mentioned as well. Ian, it is really, really impressive, isn't it? When you talk about Lille, the way they're bringing, they're developing these players, they're selling for for huge money, but they seem to be replacing them so well. And uh, we, we we chatted to Sven Botman after the game. He's a 20-year-old um, Dutch under-21 international, formerly of Ajax Youth. And, um, you know, he's played five games, slotting inside alongside alongside Jose Font, and he's looking the part. Here is what he had to say about his, uh, his early weeks in Lille. Uh, yeah, very happy because um, at the beginning... <sighs> They are welcoming me a lot. Uh, they helping me with the, with the training, with the matches. Um, so that was very important for me to to immigrate as soon as possible. Um, yeah, it's going uh, it's going uh, the good uh, direction. And yeah, like I said, we I think we belong to the top three. Uh, so yeah, that's that's our our goal. Well, in my preparations for the match, and you guys might doubt this if I just spurt it out like this because it's quite unbelievable, but Sven Botman actually signed on, the, I think it was the 31st of July, a loan deal to come from Ajax. And uh, now, just eight weeks later, just before the game, he signed a, f- a permanent five-year contract. So transfer made permanent just before the game for about 8 million euros, I think, the, the final. So that means that he's settled in very well that everyone's happy and clearly he does feel at home because both he and the club have decided within two months of arriving somewhere to turn a loan into a permanent deal curious though first time i've ever seen something like that i i i like him i think you know he's still got work to do he's only a 20 year old center back what i like about him is he he kind of looks and talks a little bit like terminator i don't know if we're allowed to say that but um he's a bot man He's, he's half a, robot. Yeah, he's he's a bot man. Yeah, but he, yeah, he has kind of got that about him. No, but you're right. And as a centre back, you know, sometimes, you know, it's kind of old fashioned. But you want a guy who can defend and who can 
um, you know, go into the tackle, get rid of the boys. He's kind of a no frills player, and I, I quite even though he can pass a football as well, but I like that about a centre back. That's what I would look for. And uh, alongside Font, I think it's I think it's quite quite encouraging. What what do you think, guys? Botman says we should be a top three team. They missed out just uh, last season. Top three, Ian? Hmm, unlikely. Oh, are we doing this? Our top three? No, but we're to- <laughs> again, we're talking about we're, we're talking about Lille. But it's true that if we're saying that Ren are going to be top three, I would assume PSG I, would be. I, I personally can't see Marseille finishing above Lille, so I think my top three is PSG, Ren, and uh, and Lille. Yeah, that's that's for me. Yeah, Robbie. Yeah, I think they. I think they could be. I. I. I am terrible at predictions, and so always try and avoid them. I think PSG will win the league. There's one. Um, for second and third. Yeah, why? Why not? They could be Ren. Why not? They could be. But I'm not convinced by either of them yet that they really are standout, clear top three. Top what three about, sides. I think what there about are the Champions League semi-finalist Leon? Do you not see them finishing the top three? I think that. Um, can we ask this question again on the sixth of October? when the transfer window has shut and we can mm, good we point. can decide because yeah and i was actually you mentioned leon botman compared to joachim anderson who never really stepped up to the plate we expected a lot from him when he arrived at leon he was given chances at leon he hasn't impressed under under two different coaches what what is the story there and he cost he cost three times more than botman mm, as well mm. yeah um, the story there, I, the story there is they're not happy with his performances. There, there's even talk, although Olas has said they're not going to get Samuel and Titi, but there was talk that they might try to get him Titi in. We know they've got already Marcelo and uh, Denaya. So Anderson's been linked back to a move back to Italy as well. But anyway, with Botman, let's wait and see. Top three, maybe. You're listening to <laughs> Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats uh, podcast. We do welcome. Your, your comments, any questions, any remarks, do send them in league1podcast at gmail.com or using the hashtag LeBourgeur on Twitter. It's time for our Deja Who section, um, the uh, the little teaser for you to, to try to react to and try to guess. Uh, so last week we had this clue. Um, I played over 100 League on Uber Eats games in the course of my three-year stay on the Beauty Island I went on to Spain, I played in Belgium, and I certainly met the standard there. I played and I still play for America without actually playing in America. Um, we got some right answers. Adam Shirolnik, as ever, uh, again, got yeah. it right. Well done, Adam. Habib Barr and Joe McCall also got the right answers. It was, of course, the Mexican superstar Guillermo Ochoa, who we felt also looks a bit like Ted from How I Met Your Mother, albeit with more hair. Um, this week's clue... Is um, is coming right up. Here we go for our Deja Who. I made my Ligue 1 Uber Eats debut at Bordeaux before turning out for Bastia, Angers and Caen. I now play alongside a former Lyon and Manchester United defender. I won the league title last season. If you know which player we are talking about, tricky one this week, do send your answers into league1podcast at gmail.com or using the hashtag Le Bourgeois on Twitter. Um, moving on to our next featured game that we are going to analyse, Rouse against PSG. Rouse in, uh, in dire straits before the game. They crashed out of the Europa League against Ferrovar of, uh, of Hungary on Thursday night. They had to play PSG at home on Sunday night. This is what happened. Matt Spiro is your commentator. Mbappe gets away from Kasama. Mbappe to Icardi! 
Mauro Icardi scores his first goal since February. Brilliantly set up by Kylian Mbappe. And very, very well finished as well from the Argentine international. The 1-2 with Draxler, Mbappe and surely, yes, Mauro Icardi gets his second of the night and that will probably be it. As far as Rouse are concerned, just a minute or so after Rouse had hit the post, Paris Saint-Germain double their lead. Uh, Ian Holyman suggesting it was a bit weird to introduce myself in the commentary, but I didn't see any other way of playing that, Ian. And uh, It's very Zlatan. Very Zlatan-esque, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Listen, PSG were really good for the first 20, 30 minutes in this game. Maro Icardi, there was a big article in, in L'Equipe on Sunday about how Icardi hasn't scored since since February, which is a long that, time, but I counted yes, it. It was only six matches. And that article was a just a hatchet job. My God, sometimes it's just incredible, isn't it? Some some of the stuff that's written about footballers yeah. Yeah, all yeah. over the world these Listen, days. yes, I agree with you, Robbie, but Icardi as well has cost PSG 50 million euros. He's uh, an international star and... And he's looked off colour. You know, he looked off colour in the in the final eight. Um, but he looked sharper yesterday. Um, benefited from two passes from Kylian Mbappe. Scored um, both of the goals. Ian, you want to comment on, on Icardi? I do. The, the only thing that was off colour about Icardi last night was his hair. Because him and Leandro Paredes seem to have uh, dipped into the bleach. But yeah, I, I was getting the impression that he, Icardi hadn't scored since, what, something like the Jurassic period or possibly the Roman invasion. It was so long. I mean, February, as, as you pointed out, Six whole ga- whole games. Ooh, I mean, the, the bigger question is why wasn't he used? Why wasn't he used in Lisbon? Asked. That's the, that's the bigger question. Someone had to bring that up. Someone I mean, that's the bigger question. But what, he, he what looks was the brilliant. game where he was hopeless. Was it Atalanta or? Well, Atalanta, he didn't score. He started. He didn't start the next two games. He, hardly, he didn't come yeah, off yeah, the but bench. He hard, but he hardly touched the ball. I mean, you know, no, he but looked. He doesn't. Ian, he, but, but he looked overweight. No, I mean, he looked off the pace in in Lisbon. But he did. But it's it's it's, it's always the same. When we have, when you have a finish, he's a finisher. He's not there to link the up. Contra- play, the, really. the controversial, not- yeah, the controversial decision was to, in the final not to send on Icardi when they were trailing one 0 to Bayern. He sent on Chupa Moting, but you know Chupa Moting had, had had played an important part in getting them there. Yeah, but it's, and so what? what? What's loyalty got to do with it? You want to put in the best players who've got the best chance of winning a game. But okay, let's leave that. But last night, his first goal. Ooh, that was lovely. Yeah, superb. It was a lovely goal. It was a brilliant finish. I mean, Mbappe... Yeah, it was a brilliant finish. That, brilliant, was, brilliant that was a first touch. Because the it, first touch. Mbappe's, yeah. The first touch was sensational. Mbappe's pass was a bit behind him and he, yeah, he managed to sort of take it in his stride, sort of... Best first touch in the league this season? Was it? Oh, God. I mean, to, yeah, have you, you know, watched every single first touch? <laughs> every single first touch. Yeah. Yeah. For me, yes. it was the best first touch. Thomas Tuchel had a tactical tweak against Rams mm-hmm. yesterday. He played... Um, everybody thought it was the normal 4-4-2, but it was actually a 4-3-3 and he played... Uh, uh, Paredes as the holding midfielder. Either side of him, he had Draxler and Neymar. So it's obviously ultra attacking. But Neymar in this in this sort of number eight role, and he and he thrived. I mean, he really did. Particularly in the first half, he got a little bit tetchy in the second half. He was getting fed up with getting fouled, and he's got to be a bit careful, Neymar. I, I did feel he was in danger of doing something stupid, but he didn't. But what what what, what do you think about that four three three? About about four three three. I was going to talk about Neymar more specifically because I'm I'm pleased um, to have seen him back in his. You know, it just looks like he's 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 on the beach again. That's when he's at his best, just just dancing on the football. It's it's great to see. And I I you know I'm not his biggest fan um, in terms of the character. But last season he was winning me over with those sort of performances, and he was seeming to focus more on his football. I was a bit worried after the episode against Marseille that he was just going to 
drop down in everyone's estimation again. But I'm 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 very pleased to have seen him perform like that against against Rouse, where that's, that's when he's at his best, really, full of confidence. And some of the touches, just mm. whew, what a player! Right. I mean, the, you remember that run? You maybe the listeners have not seen this, but there was a run in the first half. He picked up the ball somewhere around about the halfway line. He sort of like knocked it really wide, quite heavy first touch. I thought, what on earth is he doing? And then. I mean, then Nutmeg he just nutmegs Thomas yeah. Fockett. Then he just takes it away. It reminded it reminded myself of me in the garden with the kids when they're about three. Nutmegging and, you. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're quite prodigious. But it was an amazing run. And, and then he just sort of opened his body and just just put it wide of the far post. I mean, it was one of those moments where you want the ball to curl into the far corner and then you are off your seat. And it doesn't matter with, who you support. I mean, unless perhaps you're a rant supporter, but... It was amazing. Robbie, the, the, the one thing I'd say about yesterday's performance against Rounds, PSG played really well. They had so many chances. Mm. Rajkovic made one or two stunning saves, mm-hmm. three or four stunning yeah, saves. Yeah. Um, the finishing wasn't always great. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's fair to say there was a bit too much showboating in, in, in the second half. Now, PSG were only 1-0 up. Exactly. Boulay Dia hit the post exactly. on about 60 minutes, and then a minute later, Icardi got his second, and, and, and that was that. But Thomas Tuchel wasn't happy. He said, we've got to be more serious in these matches. If we have to score eight goals, we need to score eight goals. Do you yeah. think... Well, do, I do, think... Do, do you think... Yeah, but is it is it something PSG should be should be wary of, that sort of slightly too relaxed nature in the, in the final third? I think it was a difficult game because Paris Saint-Germain were clearly the better side. Reims are clearly low on low on confidence, low on cohesion, understanding at the moment. So normally when you play Reims, they just look to defend and it's really, really tough. Here, they weren't defending that well. As you say, Paris could have had four or five goals easily. But if Boulaidia had scored, I mean, it's a shot that cuts in from the left onto the right foot. He's only just come off the bench as well. It's deflected off Florenzi curls around Navas and, and comes off the post. There you have 1-1 after all that domination. And you have a Paris side that, like you say, they're, they're not being forced to do more. That's the thing about when you play a side like Reims who are that low on confidence, they're not coming at you. They're not, they, were, they were a couple of aggressive players. Kasama looks good. I think I like him, the number six in, in midfield, the former Porto youth. Um, but, but it was a, almost, a, like the French would say, a match piège a banana skin for, for PSG because they suck you in. They don't do anything to think they're going to be dangerous at all. You can sort of knock it around. You, you, you know, it's a, for me, it was a strange match. And I, I understand what Thomas Tuchel is saying in the second half where Paris should have done more, should have killed it off because Reims just lull you into this false sense of security at the moment where they, they don't even look like they're trying to score. But, but PSG going well. Three wins, yep. three wins from three. They're, they're, they're looking good. Just, uh, a word about Reims because they were one of the surprise teams last year. They finished sixth. They've had an amazing three years. The last yeah, three years exactly. under David Guillon, uh, the Ligue 2 title. They finished eighth in Ligue 1, then sixth in Ligue 1. Now there is talk that Jean-Pierre Caillot, the president, wants to sack him or is thinking about sacking uh, David Guillon. Just one point this season from, from five matches and they're out of the uh, Europa League. That is surely... Very, very harsh, isn't it? I mean, reading between the lines, it seems that David Guillon is saying we need some reinforcements. Mm-hmm. We need a bit of money to strengthen. And Caio is saying, listen, you've got good enough players to be doing better. Well, they than, lost Disazzi, better who than went you are. To, to Monaco. And that's a, that's a big blow. That leaves a big hole at yeah. the back for them. Yeah. 
But otherwise, they've got some fantastic players. They've added Valeron Barisha, who was everywhere last night in a, in a difficult side. He, he ran, he worked very hard. Arbazanelli looked good when he came on he as did. well. He's been he, out. He had 13 he's been months on the side. 13 sidelines. months. Incredible. Yeah. So, look, I, I wonder, isn't Caillou just sort of putting a little bit of pressure on gently, saying, look, you know, th- there's, a, there's pressure on Rance, and I don't think it's really their fault. They've come up. They had a fantastic season in Ligue 2, as you said. I think they set the all-time points record for a, for a total of points in Ligue 2 with that when they were promoted. Mm. Then eighth, fantastic season, fantastic defence. Last season, best defence again. They finished outside the European places, but because of the way the league ended up being done with average points per match and then who you played against, saw them leapfrog, I think, Nice or Lyon or... No, they finished sixth. Yeah, and, and to qualify. But they didn't necessarily were planning on being European or qualifying for European football. And I think playing Servette, trying to prepare early, playing Servette and then Ferravar, it was, uh, was too much for them. I, David Guillon's just a victim of his own success, isn't he, really? Yeah, I mean, exactly. why, why is Kayo putting pressure on him? Yeah, they've got one point after five games, but let's have a reality check, boys. Rance were where about 10 years ago? Bankrupt. I mean, but got- the, the danger is if you make a bad start, sometimes you just can never get out of it. Well, and that we've seen with clubs recently. Absolutely. But firstly, who are they going to bring in instead of David Guillon for a start? And then Dizassi moving. It's not that... I mean, it's not that big. He didn't do that much. Mm. He, did, he didn't make the difference between them no, being Marisic, the best. Mar- Marisic is, uh, is struggling and the coach doesn't necessarily think he's good enough to play alongside Abdel Hamid. And Rance's strength in the last few years has been their centre-back pairings. Yeah, yeah. A- absolutely. But as you said, you've got, I mean, you've got Barisha in midfield, a quality player, but you've, they've, they've got Zanelli coming back. He's, he's still going to be a touch rusty. They signed uh, Wout Feich, who was uh, suspended, suspended this weekend. Yeah. So... Uh, what yeah, was his name? Uh, Woodfish. That's, the, oh, that's uh, what I'm calling him that's anyway. That's the Flemish, Flemish. pronunciation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very good. Listen, <laughs> um, I think personally that Rouse have been in free fall ever since Albert Batter left in the 50s. Um, and 1962, last league and title for Yeah, Rouse. last time they were in the Champions League final was what, in the 50s? They're just rubbish. Two teams that should be winning titles, that should be winning trophies, but are struggling at the moment are Lyon and Marseille. They're playing each other this weekend. Let's hear how they, uh, how they warmed up for the Olympico. Ian Holyman commentated uh, Lorient against Lyon on Sunday. Here's our melt. We sat with a shooting opportunity. And picks out the top corner. Brilliant finish from Johan Wieser. Sense of urgency now. Still Dubois. And still Dubois. Brilliant run. Fabulous individual goal from Leo Dubois to pull Leon level. Ian, uh, Leon, they're just, they're just not clicking, are they? They're not clicking uh, this season under Rudy Garcia. Well, Usamayawa, after the game, which was his 100th league, uh, league and appearance, actually, all of them for Leon. Potentially his last as well, with that ask, a lot of talk about him moving to Arsenal. But he he was asked whether his his the speculation over his transfer had had disturbed the squad, and he said, "No, absolutely not. We've just got to do things better." It was it was a little bit it was tricky yesterday. I mean, at one stage there were twenty one players, so only Anthony Lopez was not in the Lorient final third. Okay, mm-hmm. you you had Marcelo virtually playing as an attacking midfielder. They started. The question you, you could ask of Rudy Garcia is why on earth did he start with three at the back? And talking about Joachim Anderson, his, his days look surely, surely numbered. He, he was on the bench yesterday. Sinali Diomande, 19-year-old, highly talented, made his first start. 
he got taken off at half time as, as they went to two at the back and it wasn't Anderson. We just didn't see him at all. So there's a lot, there's a lot going wrong at, at Leon for the moment, but let's not forget. I mean, they were in the Champions League semi-finals what a month ago, barely a month ago. So it's 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 been a difficult pre-season, which has virtually not existed. Six points from uh, five games so far for Leon. They are coming under pressure, as uh, is Andre Villas-Boas at, at, at Marseille. Ian uh, had uh, the pleasure. He had some uh, some big matches this weekend. Leon at Lorient. I, I did indeed, but it was, I don't know, pleasure was the word that I was looking confused at, Matt, because watching Marseille on uh, Saturday evening was, was, was not a pleasure. It, it really, they, they were so poor. Benedetto, Payet, Tovan up front. Should we, um, should, we hear, should we hear the best moments then from that game? Here's <laughs> Ian Holyman's commentary um, from Marseille against Metz. Look how high up the pitch Metz are playing. Really squeezing the game. Udon. And now Nian, great chance! And he's taken it! Ibrahim and Nian has stunned Marseille and Mets have the lead. Here they come again though, the host, Kawi. Benedetto. And now Radonjic cuts it back, chance for Sasso! And Marseille have grabbed a point at the death. Such a cool head. And finish from Morgan Sanson. Bitter disappointment for Alexander Kija in the Mets goal. Uh, yeah, so Ian won one. It, it finished, and it was what it was like ninety fifth minute when Morgan Sanson actually actually got the leveler. And yeah, I mean, I've seen analysis of the game. Payet and Tovan just not really not really clicking, not linking up with with Benedetto. Well, the t- the tone was set really fifteen minutes in. Payet just bustles into the box quite nicely. And then smashes it over the bar when all he had to do was just stroke it into the net. And Benedetto had a couple of attempts like that. They, they, they didn't test Ukija. I don't remember him making a single save, a significant save in the game. Who for I mean, me is the weakest goalkeeper in Liga. Well, they, they didn't test him big at shout. all. It, big it, it is a big shot. The only time that they actually looked good was that 95th minute. And it was Radonjic, who looks to be on his way out to, to Olympiacos or wherever, Gets down the left, cuts the ball back to Sanson. And I have to say, Sanson, lot, talking about first touches, very nice, cool first touch. I mean, imagine the pressure and he bends it in, an absolute peach. It was a lovely goal. Not quite as good as Leo Dubois' equaliser, I have to say, for Leon yesterday, which was, that was very tasty and from the, the most unlikely of sources. But Marseille was stodgy. They, they didn't have any pace or rhythm going up going forward I think it was really interesting to see Florian Tovan in a big interview I think it was on Saturday in Le Keep saying that basically after three games in a week prior to that he was absolutely knackered after playing what 20 minutes last season I I just wonder how much of an effect um I know we, we we can't keep saying it but just for Marseille in particular playing in an empty stadium has even as commentators I don't know if you guys have noticed this but it's somehow becomes quite difficult to to realize if the players are playing at full pelt when there's nothing going on in the stands the sort of the pace of everything seems a little different and you just wonder for Marseille where you know players arrive there because of what Marseille is because of all the atmosphere at the velodrome and now they're just playing in front of hard, empty yeah. seats something think, oh, mentally no. is a little different when you've got a huge cavernous stadium like the the velodrome it makes it hard cuz I, I was commentating the Rouse PSG game and there were almost 5,000 fans and the stadium looked, it didn't look full, but it looked, you know, yeah. there, there were a lot of people in every stand. And, and I think that helped Rouse because they were, they, were, they were quite vocal. And for Marseille, it's, yeah, it's perhaps the opposite. I have an a anecdote. 
mm. ab- about that that idea. And interestingly, we have a big interview. I did a big interview with Ander Herrera uh, for PSG last week, and we're going to have it on the pod next week, where he talks and says, for him, football is the fans. Football was made for fans to go and watch. Professional football is all thanks to the fans. He even said, you know, there are lots of great things. I understand it's a big business. I like earning the money I earn, but it's all thanks to the fans. And for me, the, these empty stadiums is not football. I hope it doesn't continue. So that one coming up on the pod. But I remember when Radamel Falcao signed for Monaco and Matt and Armel and Ian, we work at, at a TV channel here in France with Sonny Anderson, who was a famous former, former player, Brazil international, Barcelona, Leon, Monaco, and others, Villarreal, Marseille, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, Radamel Falcao coming to France, he's going to enjoy having a little less pressure than Atletico Madrid. It's going to be cool, you know, he can concentrate on his football, he, can have, he has a young family. And Sonny Anderson said, and, and he was half speaking for himself, saying, I, I, I think he's really going to struggle. Because you, when you play in front of stadiums like that, when you come from Colombia, when you play at, at, at Atletico Madrid, you, you need that. You feed off that. And he will miss that mm-hmm. at Monaco. And, and I think so, yes, I think the players do miss it. And certainly the PSG players are all talking about it, how they're desperate to have fans back in the stadium. Uh, just uh, a quick look at the other scores. Terrific win for Angers. 3-2 against Brest. That's Angers' third win this season. Bordeaux. We're not piling onto Jean-Louis Gasset today, but another nil-nil against uh, Nice. Dijon 2, Montpellier 2, Monaco holding on with nine men in the end against Strasbourg. They There's won. a potential top three side for you, Matt. Yeah, they yeah, won 3-2. Go two. two goals for Wisdom Ben Yedda. Um, Nîmes won, <laughs> Lens won, and, uh, and, and that is it. We featured all the other games. We're going to have a little chat, though, about, um, about a Lens player who's really catching, us, uh, catching our eye this season. Lens have 10 points. They're going really well. Uh, he's a guy who is on loan from Amiens, um, but he's had an amazing career, a very colourful career so far. Gail Kakuta, 29 years of age. 12 years ago, this guy was being touted as France's next superstar. He left Lens, where he um, had played uh, youth football for Chelsea. He just starred for France in the uh, Under-17 World Cup. And Kakuta just, for whatever reason, hasn't kicked on to become a superstar. He's playing for Lens this season, so he's back where it all began. Um, it's his 13th club at the age of uh, of 29. I've really been enjoying watching him this season. I enjoyed watching him at Amiens last season. Let's hear from his from his teammate. Um, Armel spoke to Masadio Aidara, the former Newcastle player who's who's at Lens now, and this is what Aidara has to say about Gael Kakuta. When you know you hear Gael, you think straight about technical. Good pass, good goals, and uh, yeah, he had the crazy skills. You don't know what he, he will do with the ball. So when you defend against him, he, he's really hard and he's a really good player. He seems to have, have just settled at, at last. And obviously what uh, Masadio Hadara says there is, I think, something that, you know, even John Terry and the like were saying way back when, uh, when Kakuta arrived at Chelsea, that this guy's got unbelievable skill. But he seems to be someone that needs to be psychologically settled needs to be happy somewhere for his for his feet to do the talking and that's what he does best because I went to see him in Amiens a couple a couple of years ago and obviously Amiens for those of you that don't know France geographically is in the north of France not too far from Lens where he's from and he was saying to me that he's really happy to be back in the region now he's back where 
it all began for him, as Matt mentioned, and to the point where I think he's back with his family because when I was at the training ground the other day, his dad came to pick him up after training and drove him home. But um, he's he's smiling, he's happy, and you can see on the pitch that he's confident, he's leading that last side. They've got Ganago scoring the goals, but they've pretty much all been created by Gael Kakuta. He started the season, um, yeah, I think everyone scored, saw that piece of skill that he did in the corner against Nice that went around the world on Twitter. And he's just had sort of building blocks in terms of confidence since the start of this season in the last shirt. And there's there's no reason for me why he can't now finally spend a few years at a club and really become something of the player that we'd have hoped he was all those years ago. Just a, a quick rundown of his career. So like I say, he moved to Chelsea when he was 17. He played six games overall for Chelsea, six games in the Premier League over five seasons. But during that time, he was loaned to Fulham. He was loaned to Bolton. He was loaned to Dijon. And then after that, 2013, was loaned to Vitesse Arnhem. He was subsequently loaned to Lazio in 2014. Uh, and then loaned again to Rio Vallecano. So he's one of these players who's just been on Chelsea's books, was on Chelsea's books for six, seven years, shifted all around Europe. And six loans in four years means that he's not loaned no. for... He's just These are six-month loans as well, where it's yeah, not working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he made a permanent move to Sevilla in 2015-16, played just twice for them, moved to China to play for Hebei, um, then was loaned to Deportivo La Coruña and then returned to France with Amiens. Since he's been at Amiens, he's gone back to Rio Vallecano, come back to Amiens. I mean, I think we're maybe getting an idea as to why it hasn't worked out for him, aren't we? <laughs> well, there's and not it- much stability there, is there? And I think if ever, it seems that a couple of times things started to work out for him. He played a, a full season at Vitesse Arnhem and perhaps he wanted to move somewhere bigger than that. But every time it doesn't seem to work out. Rio Vallecano, he had a good season. At Amiens, he had a great season when he came back. And I remember the idea was, come back, settle down. You're still a young player. He was only 27, 28 when he, when he returned. 27, I think. So he still could have had that career. He could even, you know, I mean, he's a Congo international, but he could have re-established himself as an excellent player. And he went off again. He moved again and then came well, why back. Why are the coaches not seeing this talent and getting it out of him? That's, that, that's what I would ask because... You know, Armel, you've met him. He's got no, you know, he seems like a very down-to-earth, nice bloke. He's got no stories about misbehaviour or ill-discipline. No. Um, I, yeah, you, you mentioned the Lazio coach didn't fancy him, apparently, because he, yeah. he had a lone mover at Lazio. I mean, I can, you know, I can only go based on, on what I gathered having met him. I don't want to, you know, say something about his personality that isn't true, but he, he does strike me as quite reserved, Um which perhaps can come across as a little complicated for coaches that don't necessarily have the time or the put the effort in to go into people's minds. But, you know, when, when someone leaves, leaves home that young to go to such a big club where the, all the spotlights were on him because of the way that transfer was, was, was made, it was such a... I think it, it changed mm-hmm. some of the so rules of transfer. I think, after it yeah. as well. But. So, you know, he's... he's He's had to mature on his own in circumstances where you're not given any time for it. And I think the the past few years are, are, have got something to do with that because I met someone that couldn't really explain to me why his career hasn't gone the way he, he would have hoped or the, the way everyone would have hoped, really. And there are so many kids, like young French kids, who get hyped up, don't they, at a young age? Well, that's what I was going to say. Ben Arthur yeah. and Nasria, like two, two, two of the big ones, but you've got Gabriel Obertan, players like that, who are seen as exciting 
18-year-olds, David Bellion, you know, they, they go to England at a young age and, and they lose their way. And it obviously you have is to have not, a strong not character, don't you? Exactly. You, and you need the right people around you, I think. Mm-hmm. To, Absolutely. You have to, to make be sure. confident. And a lot of these, I mean, we, we chat about it, Matt, all, all the time and have done for years uh, living here in France. But there, sometimes these young French footballers are extraordinarily shy and timid. And it's a real handicap in terms of communicating, in terms of they may have confidence in the people around them, their family unit or their, their, their people that are in their ears telling them that they're fantastic, but they can't necessarily go out and communicate it in a, in a, in a generous, open way with, with people around them. And maybe and when you're a, a 16-year-old kid and everyone's telling you you're great and you go and sign for Chelsea where there are all these, you know, a different culture, an English culture, a tough London culture where there are lots of international footballers who don't give a talented young kid a break because that's the world of football. It's a it's a it's a terrible, terrible concrete world, you know, where very aggressive for young kids. They they need to be able to impose themselves. And maybe, you know, I don't know if it's a French thing, but there are a lot of very shy French kids and maybe it's too much for them at that age. Well I think how would you have done it? I mean, never mind in football, but let's say you were trying to be a journalist and you head off to London from another or you head off to let's say Paris when you're 18 years old you try and make it there and then then they send you up to the, the northwest of England then they send you back to France then they send you to Holland then they send you to Italy mm. how would you have coped with that mm. I think it's I think it's pretty difficult I mean I just I just want to bring in my my only Gal Kakuta anecdote mm. and it doesn't even really involve Gal Kakuta it involves the man sitting across the table here Armel Tongi last season I I was preparing for a commentary while Armel was 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 comment, commentating within earshot he was commentating that amazing Amiens 4, PSG 4, in which Gal Kikuta scores an absolute worldie. And my abiding memory is of being shocked so much that I jumped out of my seat as Armel almost, he just lost it when Kakuta puts the goal. A pen went flying through the air. It's probably still, it's still in orbit somewhere up there right now. It was a, it was a real moment of, of, of pure football joy and that's what that's what a player like Gal I'll tell you what Ian, Ian Ian as a special treat I've dug into the archives and I and I found that Armel Tangy commentary let's hear Armel commentating Gail Kakuta for Amiens as Kakuta fires a goal and makes it two in some style outrageous goal from Gail Kakuta and Amiens get this a 2-0 up against Paris Saint-Germain Fantastic, Armel. You did get very excited. You went a bit squeaky. True, but you know we we all we all you know we we, we all get carried away sometimes watching it. And, and what a game! What a goal it was! Uh, it's time to put our rain max on or get our umbrellas out. We're going to go on a bon voyage. It's, it's horrible weather in France, but we've got some cracking games coming up this weekend. So just a quick rundown of uh, what's coming up. PSG against Angers on Friday night, 9pm French time. 8pm in the UK. You can watch that live on BT Sport. Lance Saint-Etienne on, on Saturday at 5pm in France. At 4pm in the UK. Nice against Nantes. 9pm in France, an hour earlier in the UK. Both of those games are live on BT Sport. And then Sunday, a big lineup: Montpellier against Nîmes. 3pm French time. Brest against Monaco. Um, also at 3pm, Rennes-Rance is the 5pm local time. Lyon-Marseille, 9pm in France. That is 8pm in the UK. All of those games can be watched in the United Kingdom on BT Sport. But the question is, 
um, Robbie Thompson, which game are you going to go to this weekend? I'm going to go to Brest versus Monaco on Sunday afternoon. I'll be at the park on Friday night, mind you, of course, but for PSG Angers. But uh, I'm very curious to see how Monaco go. I, I think they're my dark horse for, for this season. I suspect they could be up to something good under Nico Kovac. And I also like the Stade Francis Le Bleu because it's got one of the most basic, strange football stadium names in the country. Just the random name of someone who, who Francis who grew the Wheat. Up there. Francis Wheat. Maybe they grew a lot of wheat out there. Probably too much rain in Brest no? yeah, for, for wheat. Fish. Yeah, fish. Yeah. Fish, fishy, fishy place. But I like the stadium. I like Monaco. So why not? There's a good atmosphere there. Even with only 5,000 in the ground, they, uh, they managed yeah, to create a bit true. of atmosphere there. 1,000 this weekend, isn't it? Due to across, across the country? I, I believe so, yeah. I tell you what, though, they can't, have Mon- they can't have coronavirus in Brittany. If you're, a Monaco, if you're a Monaco fan, you might want to set off now because I believe that Bucharest is closer to Monaco than Brest is by roads. Is or, that right? Uh, yeah, yeah, you might want to start now. And, uh, France is, yeah, is, is surprisingly big sometimes. There are, there, yeah. there are trips where you can't quite believe how, how far it is. It's uh, a shame oh, because Monaco always have travelling supporters everywhere they go as well, mm-hmm. almost as many mm-hmm. as at their, at their own ground. Well, luckily, most of them can take a private jet. <laughs> Armel. Yeah, I think uh, it will be interesting to see how um, Saint-Étienne bounce back and uh, at the risk of getting another joke in here that's not really worth it. You know, it's Claude Bruel's got so many young players and it's Saint-Étienne lost the Battle of the Miners. So, oh, Saint-Étienne and their underage players going to be able to do it against their yes, opposite Lons mining Yes, Saint-Étienne team. from mining towns. Very good, very good gag, Armel. Uh, Ian Holyman, what do you fancy? I have to say, if... if, if- Capacity crowds have been allowed. The, the only place to be is Lens, uh, because that would be would be an amazing game against Saint Etienne, two of the best supported clubs in France. But otherwise, it's going to have to be the uh, Tegi Savanierico between yes. Montpellier and Nîmes. It's That's another a big local, derby down another there. derby. Yeah. yeah, Montpellier have been very impressive. Hugely surprised to see them draw at uh, at Dijon at the weekend because they've been they've been on fire. So good going forward, which is unusual under Desacarian, who loves to defend. Um, that's the one for me. Yeah, it should be feisty. They always are. Montpellier against Nîmes. They are, they are big derby matches. Well, as nobody's gone for the Olympico, I, the big I, I'm, I'm going to go to Lyon. I mean, I, I always love going to Lyon. Uh, these are two teams that uh, desperately need a win. So, you know, should be good. Should be good. Absolutely. I'll be there. No, that'll, I'll be there. that's a good game. They, they do desperately. There's pressure on both It's sides arguably now. the biggest game in the calendar these days. I mean, there is a debate that, you know, Lyon Marseille is now bigger than, than than PSG Marseille just because, from a competitive point of view, um, you know Marseille are just too good for PSG. Lance Lille's days. coming up soon. Sorry, I meant it we the other way around, Rob. Now. But Marseille did win the last one. We got Lance Lille coming up. We'll talk about that in the next podcast. That is it, though, for this week. Thank you ever so much for for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, from Robbie Thompson, Armand Tangi, uh, Ian Holyman, and me, Max Spirit. It's time to say um, bon journée, bon semaine. Have a have a great time. We'll see you again. Next week. All the best. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. Finish. Must be the opening goal. Benedetto. And by Nyong. Fantastic. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. Adolberg. Oh, Benyera. Beautifully done. Sensational.